I remember my first couple of weddings, I kind of got confused with all that, and everybody was standing. I'm looking out there. I said, why are these people still standing? And I said, and I thought to myself, oh, I got to tell them to sit down. That's been many years ago, but uh, good to see everybody here tonight on a rainy night, and I know some uh, fun things are going on back in the back. I heard them as I came around the corner, and uh, well, the Lord's good, isn't he? Amen. Amen, and he deserves our worship and our praise, and uh, Brother Jeremiah had asked me to, to, to fill in, um, kind of like Brother, um, Brother AJ, I'm, I'm the last one uh, here, and, uh, and I'm not even really here, I just visit here. But uh, anyway, I appreciate the opportunity, and I got to pray. And it's good when you can pray about a message, and, uh, and God will give you something. And then when God gives it to you, you kind of got to go like you're going for gold in a gold mine. Brother Breland can tell you when God stirs your heart about something, these other preachers that may be here tonight, and you go and you mine, you want to mine that burden that God's put on you. And, uh, and it, it's just really good, really good. And, I, and I've been praying that God would, would help us tonight. Uh, did talk to Brother Jeremiah this afternoon. He called, and uh, he said, tell everybody hello, and want to know if everything was going good. I said, well, I hadn't heard anything bad. And uh, when I passed through the halls, I mentioned the kids. I said, somebody's either having a big time or somebody's in trouble back there in the back. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, it's nice to have folks that want to do things for other people. And uh, we, I appreciate these guys here. I kind of cut up a little bit sometimes. I have such a serious face. I have to make a joke once in a while, let people know that uh, I'm really not that serious. My grandkids know all about that. But uh, anyway, if you go ahead and get your Bibles out, I want to use our time wisely tonight and uh, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I hear that rain on the roof. Our pastor at our home church years ago before I was even a preacher, a long time, 30-something years, and we had a guy come in and, uh, and preach, and uh, he did a real good job in the revival, and he preached, uh, uh, what was it, uh, uh, when the power goes out, and really that was the title of his message. And that night, a storm came through, rain heavier than what this is, and the power went out. And uh, Brother Tony Bagley, which was a great friend of Brother C.R., uh, Brother C.R. was one of his uh, mentors, and uh, he got up and uh, just a real folksy guy, and he says, uh, he says, if the title of the message tonight's when the roof falls in, I'm leaving <laughs> before he starts with the message. So anyway, God's good. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read several verses, and... Uh, I'm going to get you to turn to, uh, at some point in the message, unless the Lord switches it up, I'm going to get you to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 6. But right now, we're just going to read Ephesians chapter 4. Look down and find verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who be in past feeling... Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying... Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. 
Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come to you thanking you and praising you, Father, for your love and mercy. Lord, it's so good to, to, to be saved tonight and know heaven's our home. And God, just to see things that are happening that uh, are beyond strange. And, and dear Lord, as we, as we look to the, the future, uh, Lord, we, we, we know you can't be too far away as you look down on what's going on here. It's so good to be saved tonight. I pray anybody here, if they have any doubts tonight, uh, dear Lord, or if they know for a fact they're not saved or listening in, uh, dear Lord, I pray, God, you just stir their hearts Dear Lord, where they could be saved. I pray you'd help me be a blessing. I thank you for the thought that you gave me. And Lord, uh, I need it tonight. And if I need it, probably everybody else out here needs it too. So we just pray that you'd meet with us in a special way. I pray that you'd even open my heart uh, tonight and all of us. Pray you bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to, as we look at this and think about this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> I, got to, I don't want to uh, get too scattered out, but God wants us to grow in the Lord and get to a point to where we can produce. God wants us to grow into a, a good working order, if you will. I don't know about you, but I like it when I get in my car and it cranks up and it goes down the road when I put it into gear. And you and I, as a child of God, when we get saved, we become God's child. We become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. And God's got a plan for us. Uh, Paul said, I quote this a whole lot because I think about it myself, that Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that he wants to apprehend that for which he was apprehended for. I could go through a bunch of verses tonight and show you that when you got saved, uh, God knew you well before that. He knew your need before you did, uh, even before he made the planet. And God wants everybody to be saved. God's not willing that any should perish. And then when we get saved, God's got a plan for us. And Paul, like a, like a bird dog, I mean, he got on that right after he got saved. And he says, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. And so uh, as we think about that tonight, this happens by way of the passage we just read in verse 22 and in verse 24. In verse 22, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And in the middle of it is verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, that you put on the new man. See, when we get saved, there's, there's a new entity in us. There's something that wasn't there before, born again. And uh, as uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, and it's wonderful. And by the way, that's what's going to heaven. This ain't going to heaven. Our, our, our earthly uh, interests are not going to heaven. And um, uh, that new man is what's going to heaven. So the way is to put off, be renewed, and put on. And it's the process of replacing fresh flesh attributes for spiritual attributes. You know, you can't bring in, sometimes we wonder why we don't grow, and I'm still introducing the message, okay? I know you're used to Brother Jeremiah, but sometimes we can't figure out what's going on. You know, what's going on in my heart? Why do I feel stale? Uh, you know, why do, uh, well, we, we've got to clear out something fleshly of the old man and of the world to bring in something new. And the world is more prevalent today than it ever has been. The world is more uh, in the church, I think, than it ever has been. And so as we look at these verses and think about it, uh, God wants to get us in good work in order. We ought to want to be able to do that like the Apostle Paul did. And so as Christians, we've got a lot of wonderful positive incentives, amen? You get saved, you can't ever lose it, amen? A, a lot of wonderful things, all the blessings, uh, that God promises us, he promises if we'll put him first and seek him first, that he'll provide all of our needs. Isn't that wonderful? 
I mean, all these positive things that, uh, that, that incentives that God gives us, but there's also some negative difficulties, negative difficulties. And you probably know a lot about you, and I know a lot about myself, and I think we're kind of similar in a whole lot of things. So we've got to navigate the field of operation. I love Romans 8.28. It gets quoted a whole lot, but I don't know how much that we really depend on what it says, that all things work together for good. <clears throat> well, I've had a lot of negative things happen in my life come along, and, 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 and some of them has taken me years to find the good for it. I, I went through a few things, and I'm sure you probably have too, that was probably maybe listed as the most terrible thing in your life you ever went through. And then once you get past it, <clears throat> once you get past it, then God reveals to you, you know, I'm trying to show you something about your life, about your heart, about something in there that, that you didn't know was there. You ever ask God questions? <clears throat> you know, like, why is this happening? I mean, I, I, I'm not talking about being a crybaby, and don't let me insult you by using that term. But, you know, say, well, I'm, I'm trying to do this, I'm doing that, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to watch my P's and Q's, and, and I've been honorable to this, honorable to that, and why in the world is this happening now, right? And I think that's a good question to ask. So that 828 says, hey, you know what? God's got this, and God's going to use everything. The Apostle Paul, the thorn in the flesh, God used it to expose in Apostle Paul's life that he had a desire to glory, and he admitted, I've got a desire to glory. I never saw Paul glory in the Scriptures for himself. But he said the desire was there. So you and I have desires tonight. We have, we have negative things uh, in the operation that, that, that needs to be removed. And, and I want to I touch on, on just one tonight. I want to preach on, hey, forgive me, but on one of the negative difficulties that is actually a big family. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to confess right up front, I have to deal with this issue quite often, okay? So I'm not here to jump onto you or anybody else. I want to help you. Because God has helped me. And I'm not a brain surgeon preacher, but, you know, uh, you can learn some things, can't you? If you listen to God and kind of watch and ask God what's going on here. So let me just give you a few verses here and then we'll jump into it. Notice in verse 26 that we read, it says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I draw your attention to the word angry and your attention to the word wrath. And then if you will jump down to verse 31, the Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Galatians 5.20 mentions works of the flesh, and these are three that go along with this subject I want to talk about tonight. Hatred, variance, emulation, and wrath. Colossians 3.8, two words, anger and wrath. So I want to take all of those words and put them into a family. They're, they're words that concern the flesh. They're works of the flesh. And I want to put them under the heading tonight of a word. I'm just a simple with my vocabulary. The word contention. Contention. All of those words, as I've studied them, they fall under the heading of contention. And I want to tell you, you know, some of the big reasons that our families don't do any better than they do is because contention enters in. In one of those words. And one of the reasons the church uh, doesn't work like a well-oiled machine that God wants it to work like, like the church at Antioch. And uh, they just got started by people fleeing persecution. And boy, praise God, here it is. All these people got together and people got saved all around the world. And became the church of the Apostle Paul. Is contention. And it comes in many forms. 
And I'll let you figure out what kind of form you've got. I got all of them, amen. I mean, I'm not happy about that. I'm not, I'm not lifting myself up. But hey, listen, I can get mad about anything. And, and, I, and I can, uh, you know, isn't it horrible when you get mad just about the way somebody looks? I mean, the look that they give you sometimes? I mean, really. And, uh, and, and my wife told me I was, uh, uh, I think I had almost surrendered to preach before she finally convinced me that I have such a serious look on my face all the time that people think I'm mad at them when I get introduced to them. And I look back at some of the old pictures. Uh, we've been cleaning out our bedroom, trying to rearrange furniture and some other junk. And all these pictures. And I'm looking at these pictures uh, before I was a preacher. I said, man, what was I so uh, upset about or, uh, with, with just the straight face? So anyway, um, I want to preach about that tonight. Contention. All those different forms. And I'm going to be referred to them as contention. And I'm going to show you several places here in the Bible. And um, anyway, water's good. Flip back to Genesis chapter 6. And I want to start there. And I'm going to get out of here just as quick as I can. Quick as the Lord will let me. And so Genesis chapter 6. I want to start with the big picture. What do you mean the big picture? Everything that's relevant today to you and God and where we live. Everything. The big picture. And I want to show you the big picture here in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, we've got the destruction of the world. That's a pretty big picture, isn't it? It was destroyed. I mean, it was covered with water. God made the earth in water. And then he, he, he separated the waters above and the waters below. And dry land appeared. And then when God destroyed the earth, it was so wicked, it was so vile. And I'm going to read you a few verses in here. That he offered salvation to everybody. Noah preached for about 120 years. He built the ark and everybody that wanted to trust God got on board the ark. And so in, here in Genesis chapter 6, in verse, notice in verse, uh, verse 3. The Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. You see that word strive? God was dealing with, through, by way of the Holy Spirit through the lost world, trying to convict the lost world of their sin, trying to draw them to him to where they could be saved. What was the lost world doing? Kicking back at God, striving, just like you see today. Look down to verse, uh, verse 5, and I'll read these quickly. And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's bad. I mean, that's really bad. You look around today, and you see some of the stuff going on, and, and some of the lack of compassion, and, and some of the uh, things that's going on in government, and I mean, and, and around the world, and how, how life is so cheap, and, and uh, uh, all of these things. You say, boy, that's, that's today. That's what's going on there today. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy it with the earth. So here's the big picture here tonight. I want you to notice the connection between an evil society and violence. An evil society and violence. The word corrupt, 
the word is, uh, you know, as God says, just about completely corrupted. The whole world was corrupted at this time. And, and the only thing God could do to, to, to save his creation, uh, man, was to destroy all the Christ rejectors, all the corruptness, and would save whoever that would get saved and bring them into a new world. And so as we look at this and think about it, um, we see the, the, the violence in verse 11 and verse 13. And it does us good to look up some words sometimes. And I try to do that to, to be clear because I want to preach truth. I don't want to preach Jack Andrews' ideas. Amen. If you don't like it, hopefully it's going to be because you don't like what God said. And that's what preachers ought to do, right? It ain't about personality. It's not about entertainment. It's about what thus saith the Lord. So in verse 11 and 13, we see the violence, the word violence, and it means to, and I want to put this in the contention, it means uh, to maltreat, to violate wrong and imagine wrongfully. And that's where all that contention and that wrath and that anger uh, that works inside of man. And so we got a connection here with the evil society and violence in Genesis 5. We read it in Genesis 11, Genesis 13. Now notice this. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, he says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now he's talking about the end of time. If you remember, his disciples asked him, what will be some of the signs? And he gave several signs. And, and the thing about all those signs that he gave in Matthew chapter 24, it, it, some of them apply to future near, <laughs> and some of them apply to future now. They span, they cover two time periods, and there's some double fulfillment prophecy involved in there that you, you take a lifetime to study if you got that long to be able to separate some of it. And so Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What's wrong with America today? What's wrong with the church today? What's, it's, it's humanly inside. It's our lack of compassion. It's lack of the attribute that the Lord plants inside our heart when he saves us. And I'm just taking up this little bit of time to get into this to show you uh, this thing of contention and how it played into the old world and how it's going to play into this new one. And I want to tell you, we're here. We're here. I don't like saying bad things, but I want to tell you, uh, you know, if there's something bad coming, I'd rather, I want to know about it so I can prepare, right? I mean, it's not going to be a flood this next time. It's going to be the rapture. I mean, it's going to be just like that. And all the things that the Bible talks about, we're getting closer and closer and closer. And so we see here today in America, we see this satanic promotion of evil today. Satanic promotion of evil, it, it's everywhere. And I see it. I'm 65 years old. I'm probably older than most of you in here. And I still do good, and I thank God for my health and my brain. Amen. I'm glad I got one. Sometimes that my wife has to kick it, you know, like the old TV says, to get it going in action. So what we see today is this satanic promotion of, of, of evil. And here's the result. The resulting anger from all the evil that happens because the love is gone. And all the lost world wants is a temporal, fleshly fulfillment of some type of joy somehow, some way. Getting farther away from God, getting farther away from human compassion, the love that, 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 that God tells us to operate, okay? Now we, we see the lost world and we see what's happening. So I'm trying to make the point here that 
that this anger, the resulting anger from this satanic promotion of evil today, just like back in the days of Noah, that turns to violence. Have you ever seen? Well, of course you haven't ever seen a time such as this. Back during Katrina, even, what's that, 16 years ago, uh, 17 years ago, something like that now, um, we heard on the radio. We didn't have power for three weeks up at the camp where we live, and we heard of uh, uh, folks down the coast, I think it was, and, and somebody stabbed somebody over a bag of ice. Temper, anger. And we hear it all, all around the world today, and we see, you know, we talk about Chicago and all this kind of stuff, and, and I don't live in Chicago. And I care about the people, don't get me wrong, but I, I was in Chicago last time. I was 15 years old. I don't ever plan on going back. But it's relevant to understand where we live and what's going on here in the world today. Because God gave warning. Man, if somebody preached it for 120 years and, and they didn't get it, there's a lot of people not going to get it today. So we see the evil, we see the corruptness that God talked about there. We see it in our world today, and we see it results in anger. The anger turns to violence. And Jesus said in Matthew 24 again, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, is that ringing a bell anywhere? I mean, we ought to go on alert that, hey, you know, this thing is closer than it's ever been. I know you've heard preachers preach that probably for the last 50 years if you're that old. But it is, and we see it today. So we start with a big picture. So we got the end time culture. One more verse and we'll skip shift gears. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul talks in both Timothys, he talks about end time things. And he talks about the end time culture. <clears throat> and I'll give you this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 4. The end time culture thinking. He is proud knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. Sometimes contention and anger and wrath and, and is silent. And it does a work inside the person's heart. You know, they're, they're not going to be rude. They're not going to be... Uh, do something ugly, but you know what? Inside their heart and mind, they're going to be affected. And oftentimes, it affects our relationship with one another, even inside the church. I say, well, you know what? I, that guy said something the other day. I just didn't like it. And I took it personal. I'm just giving you some maybes or ifies. And you know what? I, I just, uh, I'm just not going to have anything to do with that guy. I'm going to smile at him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you know what? Uh, I'm going to put a check in my book on him in my head and, uh, because you know, I don't think a guy likes me. He doesn't respect me. That's some of the silent effects of contention, and it divides. And you know what? That person cuts their own throat spiritually because they limit their service. They limit their growth. So there's the big picture, okay? It's, it's big, and it's important. It's serious. Now I want you to notice, before we turn back to Ephesians, I want you to notice the second thing here is our hope and power. Our hope and power. I get up every morning. I go to bed at night, and I've got hope. I've got hope I'm going to get up the next morning. I've got hope I'm going to sleep all night and get a good night's sleep. I mean, those little trivial things. But, but I'm an optimist. But that doesn't keep me from seeing the, the, the negative. My job is to 
<laughs> preach the gospel and and thus they at the Lord and warn people and, 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 and as God inspires. So here's the second thing. I want you to notice our hope and our power is grace. Now we take that word grace and we apply it to a whole lot of things I think sometimes that it, that it really doesn't apply to. But I preached the other day and, and, and the Bible teaches this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 that Paul talking about his situation and God gave him the grace that grace is the power of God. For all else, any way you want to put it, and it says that there, the power of God, the power of Jesus Christ, the grace of God. So our hope and power, and in Genesis 6 and verse 8, the Bible says God showed these things that was going on. And then it says in, in verse 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If you're saved tonight, you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> Not because of your behavior but because of God's love for you. Amen? So the second thing I want you to notice and think about here is our hope and power is in grace, in God's grace. The Bible says in Hebrews, and you can flip back to Ephesians. The Bible says in Hebrews, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, and it says it again, by faith. God honors faith. God honors faith. I got saved by hearing the word of God, by the Holy Spirit bringing conviction on my heart of my great need, and as a little boy, I believed hell was real, <laughs> because I knew I was a sinner, I, I knew... Things that I had done, God had showed me that, and it was years later before I would get saved. And 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 I don't have any contention in my heart about it. But if somebody had recognized in that little nine-year-old boy, hey, there's something wrong with that kid. Maybe if I shared the gospel with him, that would help him. But nobody did. I'm not been out of shape about that. But then as I got older and and started going to church more and and uh, seeing my wife and. And uh, her family were Christians and church-going people. And if I was going to see her, I had to go to church. It's like a rotten kid, don't I? I was pretty rotten. I never did any of the bad things, and I'm not here to defend myself with that. God watched over me. I want to tell you, even before I was saved, God watched over me. That's grace, too. <laughs> and boy, you talk about unmerited. I did not merit it. So but the Bible says here, by faith, Noah did this. By faith, Noah escaped the old world. By faith, uh, and God's grace that he was saved and his whole family got saved. What would you do tonight that, that every member of your household that you could know for sure, for sure, for sure they were saved? And if the world was going to end tomorrow by a big meteor, the rapture, whatever, if you knew it for a fact, what would you do? You would give, I would give everything I had. And this hope that we have in this power and God's grace is because of our faith. God honors our faith if we'll believe him. Now, we're trying to get back to contention, okay? But I want to show you the big picture. And I want to show you which way the wind blows with God. Because there's a lot out there, and God just don't think that way. How about a lot that's out there today? That's why he gave us the Bible, amen? Aren't you glad you can read? I am so glad I can read. So God honors our faith. So Paul here, now here's, 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 here's the, the great grace verse. In Paul's life, he says, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. Paul had some things he had to deal with. 
Okay. 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Bible says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than in all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. What's Paul saying there? Paul is saying, by his faith in God's grace, by God showing him what he wanted to do from salvation all the way forward, who art thou, Lord? And what will thou have me to do? Two most important questions that you can ever ask yourself. Those two questions. Vance Havner used to preach that the three most important decisions that you'll make is first, salvation. Number two, what God wants you to do. And then number three, sorry ladies, is uh, who you're going to choose to spend your life with. Number three. And, 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 that, and, that, is, and, and that order, I believe, is, is Bible. And it's very important. So God honors our faith, and Paul's talking about this grace, our hope and our power and grace. We see it there with Noah. We see it with the saints of God. We see it. This is how we got saved. But it's also how we operate and how we learn to operate, how, apprehend that for which we're at. God saved us for a purpose. I know you've heard that before. It ain't going to go away. I teach uh, some of the uh, folks in here on Sunday morning in here. We're out of classroom, so this is our classroom. I'll never fill it up. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. And, and, and one thing that I share is that the hope inside of me in the power of God's grace that if we draw a breath, we have a purpose. We have a purpose. And, and we ought to be pressing hard, like Paul did, for that purpose. But you know what we got to do? Coming back to contention. We've got to deal with a lot of things, and contention, I think, is a big one. Now, I don't know about you, but um, God has shown that to me in my life. It didn't start yesterday. And as a preacher, I said, you know, I'm pretty good with all this. I got things in their place. I've, I've taken a, a being told off to my face before, and my wife's been there. And, and uh, as I said to a church the other day, I, my, I can't help my face turning red. I can keep my mouth shut and stay on my feet. But, you know, my, my face, it just does that turning red. And, uh, and my wife says, you, you did good. You know, you did good. I had one lady going out the back door, you know, when the preacher used to stand at the back door and shake hands and, and uh, at the first church that I'd pastored, and I had this, this nice, sweet lady, and, and, or she looked that way, and, and boy, she gave me the what's for at the back door, and the whole time smiling. There wasn't nobody around. Everybody saw her say, she's, she's probably just uh, saying something real sweet to, to Brother Jack, and boy, she was giving me the what's for, and uh, you know, God gave me grace to stand there and take. So I'm just saying that I thought I was okay with that over the years. And, and then I began to find out, I said, you know what? There's a lot of decisions that I've made in my life. And there's a lot of things that I've missed because of this thing of contention that gets in my heart that makes me develop a certain opinion that ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. And it hindered me. Now, if you had not ever been bothered with that, you can go to sleep. But I want to tell you, I believe this is a serious issue, not just in America, but it, in the homes, in our churches today. Now, I'm not preaching to the churches. I'm preaching here. 
And I'm just sharing with you that 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 is a great hindrance is this thing of contention in all of its forms that it takes here. So I've given you a big picture, right? Are we in the end time? We're, we're, we're closer to the end than we've ever been. Jesus said in his lifetime was the last days, 2,000 years ago. So is it relevant to understand that, you know, our time may be short? I mean, what do you want to do with your time? Hey, listen, I, I'd like to play some catch-up if I could on some of them dumb decisions that maybe that I made or premises I had in my mind because of this thing of contention. So we got the big picture, and then we, we see our hope and our power. Like Noah said, the Bible says about Noah, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says that he walked with God. It says that also about his great-grandpa, Enoch. He walked with God so close that he didn't die. God just took him. Amen? Walking with God's important. So this is one thing tonight that, that, that we really need to take a close look at and see what goes along in, inside our hearts and our minds and deal with this, okay? So here, I gave you all that to get to this, and here's the message. Here's what we need to do. We need to develop a troubleshooting Bible protocol of grace. I noticed back in, uh, I think it's back in the school, excuse me, I have to do that to keep talking. But I noticed back in the school, one of those uh, defibrillators, and they got instructions on them, and my wife and I, we try to keep up with uh, uh, the training to where we could resuscitate somebody. We don't have one of those things, you know. We just have to pound on their chest and uh, do the compressions and stuff like that. But it's good to know how to operate those things, Right? And there's a protocol, there's instruction, and I, I haven't, haven't read it, but I'm sure it's in big letters. I'm sure it's easy to do to where, you know, maybe somebody that's never seen one before, maybe if somebody's laying there, they don't have a heartbeat, and they need to give it a shock to where they could do that. Uh, they got protocols here. I'm sure security's got protocols of what to do and when, and I'm sure when to lock down the building and stuff like that. You got some at your house, protocols you go through before you go to bed at night, lock all the doors, right? And I even booby trap my doors. Um, um, I, I want something no, noisy to happen to wake me up so I can shoot the guy before he shoots me, right? And uh, uh, I pay taxes. I built that house with my own money, and it's paid for. The mortgage is gone. It ain't much to it, but it's mine, right? And I don't, don't want it to be violated. So we need to develop a troubleshooting Bible protocol of grace. And don't just smile like it's all okay. I believe contention is one of the top reasons for spousal abuse, child abuse, divorce, murders. And by the way, Jesus, Jesus described the judgment for murder equally along with that of anger. And I believe much of the mayhem across America today that you see in the paper, I don't even like reading about it. And what I hear, I catch on the radio. I may see it on somebody's TV if we're in their house or something like that. And, and, and all of the crazy things that are going on that people, they just snap. They don't have much self-control to start with. And when that evil flesh wells up inside of them, they just do the first thing that comes to mind. And if they got a gun, they shoot somebody. If they got a knife, they'll stab you. If not, they'll hit you. Now, I'm not describing everybody I know. So here's the protocol. And I want to give you just a few quick things 
and I said I'd get you out of here on time, whatever that is. Um, Brother Jeremiah says, and everybody seemed to like it, right? So <laughs> I never worried about that. We had a clock at the first church I pastored at the back. And I, yeah, there's a clock. I'm just used to clocks still being round and uh, with hands on them like the one I wear here. And so it is, does have the time there. So here's the first one. I think this is, this, this is the best one or the one we need to use first. Troubleshooting Bible protocol for God's grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I, I labored. I labored more abundantly than all of them. But not me, the grace of God that was in me. That's the Bible. God said it in the book. Philippians 2, 3, and do good to memorize this first. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. God started hitting me with that years and years ago. And I said, boy, that's a good thing to preach. And, and, and then God revealed to me, I wanted you to preach it to yourself. <laughs> let nothing be done through strife. Let nothing, you know, that, that, that aggravation that we get and, and that stirring of anger and, and says, well, I'm going to do this because I don't like that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that because I don't, I don't like what you said or what you did. And then we, we, we uh, uh, so here's the first one. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I have sat right here in this church and listened to my own son preach and get rubbed the wrong way about something. If he's watching this, he, I probably won't get invited to preach again. But I must tell the truth. And you know what I did? Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a child of God, I had, to give, I had to give the word a fair hearing. I had to give the word a fair hearing. And then I remembered the, these, these verses. Let nothing be done through strife. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and find you a verse for whatever it is that stirs you the wrong way. Whatever it is that may start contention and, 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 and give the word of God, give the Holy Spirit a fair hearing. Don't just say, well, I, I got that under control. I don't have a problem. I don't ever get mad at nobody. I'm good. I'm just, you know, or, or I'm retired or whatever the reason may be. Give the word of God a fair hearing. Let the Holy Spirit deal and work because God's wanting us to get to a position to where we can apprehend that for which was apprehended for. Jesus defeated the devil in Matthew chapter 4, with three verses, he said, It is written, it is written, it is written. And the last one he said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I mean, iniquity can't take the word of God and can't bear up to the word of God if you mean it in your heart and you wield that sword. I read one of the old preachers. I can't remember what commentary it was, but it's way back. All of my commentaries are, these guys have been dead a long time. I don't want anything new. I'm not against new stuff. I had to get a new phone the other day. Mine, you know, I, I got it from a secondhand store. They said it belonged to one of Noah's kids, and it just quit working. It just, and, and C Spire sent us a letter said, your phone's not going to be working in December because, I, I don't know why, I guess it's just too old or something. And I got a new phone, and, and uh, uh, trying to nab, tried to, 
trying to navigate with it. But the old preacher said this. He said, he that draws the sword throws away the scabbard. And you know what a scabbard is? That's what the sword goes into. Always handy and ready. You say, well, Jesus was the son of God. I got that. But it's the word. It's the word of God. So number one, when you sense, and it's like anything else, you got you to sense that, that departure from the spirit back into the flesh. And it's, a, it's, it's almost a seamless line. And, and you can fool yourself and trick yourself that, that you haven't crossed that line until there's something really, really ugly going on up here. But most of the time, we, by the time we get to that point, we've not got sensitive enough to know that we crossed it way back over here somewhere. So here, protocol number one, take up the sword of the spirit. Let nothing be done. Memorize that. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Again, Jesus defeated the devil with, with three verses out of the book of Deuteronomy. And the Bible says that, it, that, that, that he left. It works. How do we get saved? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, the Bible says if, if God gave his son Jesus, how shall he not freely give us all things? Amen. Take the command. Now, when you do that, here's what you got to do. Along with that process, you know what you're doing? You're pushing out that ugly stuff. You're putting off. So you can bring in, put something new. I've been taking my wife to some new places to eat once in a while and eating some of that goofy stuff that Brother Jeremiah eats. And she's just like him. She likes all that stuff. She can name all of it. And so I've been venturing out. Jeremiah's proud of me. My wife's happy. And, boy, my stomach. <laughs> God's got so much new stuff. But we got to push out the old stuff to get there. Second thing, right here in verse 26, protocol. Be ye angry and sin not. Learn what's going on inside. It's kind of like, you know, if you've, if, if, if you've been saved several years and, you know, you, things begin to go on in your heart and mind and you say, did that turn out well? Right? Did it turn out well? My attitude that, that I got stirred the wrong way and, and, and I did something through strife and, and, and anything under the heading of contention. And it's not just sometimes it's something that comes at you, but sometimes it's you coming at somebody else. Sometimes how we react to other people. So second protocol, be angry and sin not. This is a command from God. Anger will quickly boil over if it's not subdued. That's why it says, God says be angry and sin not. Boil over. Man, I will tell you, some of the best experiences I've had with that is with my wife. And I do not say that to be funny. She's just hard to get along with. <laughs> no, she's the best thing that ever happened to this old boy. And, but she ain't a pushover. But I've learned, especially, you know, you know how it is when somebody you're really close to can bug you the most? And so anger will quickly boil over if it's not subdued. Be angry and sin not. And here's the swap out with that. Anger drives peace from the heart. Now, that's the opposite of what God wants to do. He says, get rid of the anger. Let the peace come in. You got to do some remodeling. You know what I'm saying? Do some remodeling in there. 
It's like taking some gasoline and pouring on an ant bed. You got to kill that spot to where that where that where that contention grows, renew, and then bring it in. So be angry and sin not. It goes like this: anger boils over into wrath. I'm gonna fix this guy. I'm gonna be nice. My brother-in-law made me mad one time years ago. And uh, I was saved. I got the idea. I mean, I said, man, I got worked up. It boiled over from anger into wrath. I mean, I was planning retribution. And I don't want to convict you of doing something that awful, of wanting to get somebody back. I didn't do it. I'm so glad. And it's not funny. I mean, you know, I know I smile when I said that. I'm just happy God caught me. Amen? Sometimes, like a bungee cord, we, we're falling and falling and falling, and boy, there's God snatches back. If you don't come back, I'm going to let you smash right into the ground. So the second one is be angry and sin not. It quickly boils over. Anger quickly burns into wrath. Wrath goes into a grudge. And you know what that grows? Bitterness. Bitterness. Verse 26, that's why God says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. There's another failsafe. I'm still walking around like this at bedtime, man. I, I got to get this right. I can't go to them. I mean, I'll, I'll be embarrassed. Get it right. You don't want to die that way, right? So number one, take up the sword of the Spirit protocol. It will defeat that. Number two, be angry and sin not. Number three, let the grace rule. Now, I'm, I'm using this word grace, the power of God. Let the grace rule rule our heart. I'm sure you've had your feelings hurt and your heart gets stirred the wrong way because of some, something somebody said or the way they said it. I discovered that I have hurt people's feelings before by something I said and the way I said it. My wife's kind of a sounding board sometimes and said, well, honey, you know, they may have misunderstood the way you said that. I said, oh, no. Nowadays, I listen to her. Because she may have a point, and then I review maybe what went on. And uh, I may have to go back and correct something that I said to somebody. So let the grace rule. Grace, the grace rule. Okay, here's a rule. And we find it right here in this passage in verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That's the grace rule. That it may minister grace unto the hearer. We may have a trouble. We may have a volcano trying to pop off inside. And, 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 and we're, we need to deal with that anger. We need to deal with that contention, whatever form it is. But hey, do this. Let the grace rule rule. And if what you're, what you're going, about to say, if it's not going to minister grace, and that's something good to somebody, that will lift them up. Don't say it.
That's the grace rule. It says it right there. Ed, good to the use of edifying. Minister grace unto the hearer. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, you kids don't realize this, and, and, and I love kids. I've spent a lot of time and energy and money and part of my life with trying to just where I can drop a word into a kid's ear once in a while and plant a seed. But things happen and go by so fast today. Everybody wants to be a, be a part of something that's fast. And everything in real time today, everything happens so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast. You can have anything so fast, so fast, so fast. There's so many shortcuts that have been taken. And patience is out the window in a lot of cases. Now, when do most people get stirred the wrong way? This ain't happening fast enough. I get that way sometimes. My wife. Lord, help her. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. She doesn't do it to be mean. Man, she ain't going to come to church next week at all. But I'm trying to do something, and then she'll reach over to do it. I'm working hard as I can, and I'm, you know, I'm just giving an example here. Patience. Patience. And so I share that with you kids. Everything's so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast. Well, the Bible says here, here's the grace rule. Let it rule in our hearts. And James says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I've got a mouth problem. I just can't, <laughs> it's just hard to compel my mouth to shut up sometimes. But if I will stay in touch with this grace rule that the Bible teaches us here, God will help me with that. And you know what I'm doing? I'm going to say it again. I got one more and I'm done. That will move something out of my heart that's bad. Okay? And then I can say, you know what? I don't want it back. And God will bring something good in its place. You ever go someplace to park and you can't, there's no parking spaces? And you wish you had a monster truck with a dozer blade on the front of it and plenty of money and good insurance and just push one out of the way? Well, that's how this is. When you put something of God back in its place and... and and don't ever forget, God is the boss. Everything he says is, is winner and is going to win. So, sword of the Spirit, be angry and sin not. Let the grace rule rule in our heart. And then here's the last one. Do all we can do to neutralize contention. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, sometimes people don't have a good day. Sometimes you don't know what they went through at home. Sometimes even with the kids, you don't know what's going on at home. 
with other kids and the homes and the families. And they may come into the setting where you are, the church, the workplace, and they may say something that is just rude and just bothers you. You know, you can diffuse that. Really? God said you can. I've seen my wife do it. And I've been the one that woke up on the wrong side of the bed. If anybody's got a life story in here, I'd l- give me a copy. I'd like to read it so I can talk about you <laughs> instead of my, my lovely wife. But really, that's how we learn. Do all we can to neutralize contention. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Right? Don't go looking for a fight. But if a fight comes to you, what did Jesus say? Did he say, turn the other cheek? Real men don't do that, do they, boys? Jesus was a real man. If G.I. Joe came in here tonight with the muscles popping out and through that door right there, he'd be no comparison to the man Jesus was and to the man that God wants us to be. And that's where we go back to Philippians 2, 3, and it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But we're to humble our hearts. We're to treat other people like we'd like to be treated. And so contention causes division. Contention causes spousal abuse, child abuse, divorce. I mean, those are ugly things, aren't they? But just think about this tonight. Think about what it does in the family of God. Think about what could be, but it's not because of contention. Just think of what we could be tonight if we were the different parts of the body and one body. Jesus says we are. I like it in, in the, the, the teaching over in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, and, and I'll close with this. Well, the Bible says that if, if one part of the body hurts or has a need, the whole body is to minister to that person. And if one part of the body, something good happens, joyful and good, that we should rejoice with that part of the body. And I want to tell you, that would deal with a lot of contention because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? You know, the envy. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff in here. And, and you know, we could do five or six sermons on this, but I don't know how that may have helped you tonight, but I really believe in the world we live in today, what's going on and what goes on in the world spills over into the church. You know it as I know it. And it stops a lot of good stuff, right? It stops a lot of good stuff that God could do that he wants to do. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray.